If you were to ask me a year ago today um, what my plans were after I graduated, I would have given you this entire um, plan of fu my future for the next 10 years, whatever. Um, I had originally planned to go play college hockey. Um, I had spots with some teams I was talking to and uh, I was hoping to get a scholarship from there. Um, that's what I had set my whole life to doing, growing up playing hockey for quite a while. I wanted my, his plan to be hockey for me. I wanted him, my stage to be hockey. Um, but through that, back in, the, uh, back in the fall, I started praying more and I was like, God started to bring back old things to me, like leading worship, what I used to do with Tim Russ downstairs. Um, I loved it. It was an absolute blast and totally led me into something that I, mean, I probably wouldn't even be doing what I am today if it wasn't for that. Um, and he started to bring that up and just like, man, I used to, God was like, remember how you used to love to play the guitar for me? And I was just like, yeah, I, I miss that. I haven't done that in months. Um, I haven't even picked it up because I've just been so busy. And, then I started to think like, all right, well, God, if you're calling me into a season with you, what if there was like a school or something where I just got to go train in the worship arts or something, and then I just get to know you? Um, so that was my prayer back at like beginning of December, late November, and um, I went to a Christian conference over Christmas break called One Thing out in Kansas City, and through that they started talking about this place called IHOP. University, International House of Prayer University, um, and YWAM, and I had never heard of any of those before, but it was exactly what I had been asking God for and what I had been dreaming about, and I was just like, man, this is for me, and, and then I made the choice in my head, okay, I'm going to take a season with the Lord, um, I'm going to finish out the hockey season strong, because um, I made a commitment to that, but then it's going to be, it's God, like, I'm just going to give hockey up for a while until you say I can go back. And, and that was really hard to make and it still is a hard decision, um, but it was so worth it. And it's just been a crazy experience ever since growing with the Lord. I've seen so many ridiculous things happen. Um, the gifts He's revealed to me through this whole process has been crazy. And I think that's another thing I've learned um, is that in order to receive the gifts I want or the spiritual gifts that he offers us, I need to recognize what my identity is and that's what this whole process has been and it still is. And um, That's the journey I'm on and looking forward to continuing going even deeper with the Lord. Give it up for Josh. I, Josh, are you here? Are you here? Second service, good. Good, good, good. Hey, um, I, I'm just jazzed about what God is doing in Josh's life. He's going to do YWAM school, uh, discipleship training in Hawaii. That, uh, you know, that's a uh, tough thing. But he's actually going to be there in their, in their uh, uh, discipleship training school and has to raise $10,000 uh, to be able to do that, which is, which is an incredible step of faith. Uh, look at, watch Get to the Point this week uh, if you want to help Josh with that. That would be cool. Um, uh, it's just fun to see what God is doing here and um, how that's going to impact the world. Um, his story is, it fits so great in this whole concept of my fit because we're talking about how we fit in the kingdom, about what our passions are, about what our spiritual gifts are, today what our abilities are. 
If you uh, were here last week or if you watched the message online last week, uh, I, I opened the message talking about reading comic books as a kid, Casper the Friendly Ghost. Anybody remember that? What I didn't say is, when I was a kid and reading those comic books, one of the things that I really looked forward to was the page in the back of the comic book. It looked like this, right? It, 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 had, it had all the stuff a little kid could dream of. It had like sea monkeys that you could buy and secret miniature cameras and x-ray glasses and toy soldiers, all kinds of stuff that I just thought, oh, that's incredibly cool. Um, there's this one ad, one ad I remember in particular that was at the back of the comic books. It was, it was kind of like this whole separate comic strip. It was about this guy who was at the beach, um, who was scrawny, and, um, and, and this guy, the bullies would come up and kick sand on him. Go to, the, go to that one. You remember? It was, it was an ad for Charles Atlas. All of you old people are saying, oh, this is so great, I remember it. And all you young ones are saying, they used to do what? what is, was that an app or what? Uh, you know. Uh, so, so it was all about... Uh, th- that ad was all about developing your body to be the best body you could be. Now, if you're younger than that, if you grew up in the 80s and 90s um, and you thought about, okay, what's the perfect body look like? It was probably one of these two guys, if you were a guy, right? Arnold or, or Sly, yeah, Stallone. Uh, you said, oh, that's what a perfect body looked like. And now if you're, if you're, if you're younger... Now, this is like the perfect body according to the media, right? Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Some of you guys say, no, no, not me. Well, he's making lots of money off that body, right? Um, here's, here's, the, here's, the, here's the introductory thought for us in this series of My Fit. This is about using the abilities, using the passions, use, using the spiritual gifts that God has given you. But what I really want you to think about is what if we were the body that was, that was what the body was designed to be? If, if we, as a body of Christ, were like the perfect specimen, if, if every muscle was working, every bone, every cartilage was doing exactly what it was supposed to, what would happen in our area? Would, would this church that maybe has been this scrawny kid in the past become this immense bodybuilder kind of thing that was making an impact in mid-Michigan with the grace of Jesus. That's what my fit is all about. It's about all of us together uh, taking on what God has called us to do and working together that God's kingdom might be transformed, that it might go forward. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to uh, take them out, and we're going to go to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to look at a story that Jesus told that that uh, if you've been in church a long time, you've probably heard multiple times. If you've never been in church before, you may have heard reference to this particular passage. But it's a story that Jesus told, a parable that's called the parable of the talents. Matthew 25, verse 14. It's going to be up on screen if you've got uh, your app. If you've, if you've got a handheld device, it's in the app as well. This is Jesus talking. And he's teaching his disciples. And says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants... And entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. Uh, So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. 
But he who'd received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good, faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I've made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good, faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you didn't sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful, lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have at least received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's important to understand that when Jesus told a parable, a parable was an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. He would tell a story about normal, everyday stuff, everyday people, things that people could connect with, and it was designed to teach one truth. It's not an allegory where you can say, oh, this, this is this thing, this is this thing, but a parable was to teach one truth. What was the truth that Jesus was trying to teach with the parable of talents? That we'll all be accountable for what he has given us. That God has entrusted to us a certain amount of stuff whether that's time, treasure, talent, and that we'll be accountable to him ultimately for what he's given. Um, we hear the word talent and we think, oh, that, that, immediately we think, oh, that means that they can, uh, a talent is like somebody who can sing or play, somebody who can draw, somebody who can do math in their head really quickly, somebody who can do this or that or whatever. But in the New Testament times, a talent was actually a, me uh, a measure of weight. It was, um, it was like pounds or ounces, but it was a lot. A, a talent uh, was the equivalent of somewhere between 65 and 75 pounds of material. Um, the reason that we don't know exactly for sure is because each, um, each people group, a talent was a little bit different, but it was somewhere in the 65 to 75 pound range. And so the, the amount of money, if you, if you do the math in terms of what gold costs right now, um, a talent was worth probably somewhere between 600000 and $1.4 million. All right? So the master gives his servants an incredible amount of money. Side thing, this isn't really a part of the message. Uh, um, it's, not, it's not really designed to be a main point. But I, wanted, I, I want, just want you to think for a second. What's that communicate about the master? He was incredibly wealthy right? If he could be given eight or six, six million bucks, eight million dollars away, 
um, he had a lot to be able to invest in people, in stuff. The God that we serve has more resources than we can ever imagine. Um, and so what he gives us is just a tiny slice of the pie. But he wants us to be accountable for that. Um, here's, the, here's the first takeaway that I want you to just wrap your brain around. God has invested incredibly in us. God has invested incredibly in us. He has given us gifts that, um, that, uh, that, that are just crazy. He sees us as tremendously valuable. Psalm 139 says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. God, in all of his creative ability, said, I want to make you just the way you are. With the, with the unique gifts, with the unique passions, with the unique, unique spiritual gifts, with your unique personality, I want to make you just the way you are. And what I give you is this incredible treasure. God has been incredibly generous to us. There's, there's a phrase I, uh, I encountered just a few years ago that, uh, that, uh, that I love this phrase. It's, uh, the, the phrase is extravagant, extravagant generosity that God is a God of extravagant generosity. I hope that we as a church can be known as extravagantly generous people, as an extravagantly generous congregation, that what we have, God entrusts to us, and we're happy to give it away because it's all God's to begin with. God has invested incredibly in us. Don't miss this, because I, because I think on a, in a message like this, it's easy to say, <clears throat> Yeah, there are those people with five talents. There are people with two talents. I maybe have one talent. I don't even know if I have any talents at all. Everybody was given something. Each of those servants were giving something, and God doesn't make any mistakes. If this morning you're hearing Satan whisper in your ear, saying, you're not worth much, think about all the mistakes that you've made. Think about all the times that, that you've not been faithful. Think about all the times that you've turned your back on God. You're not worth much recognize that that's the voice of Satan and not the voice of God. God doesn't make mistakes. And he has invested in us in incredible ways. He designed us for a purpose. He designed us with spiritual gifts that, that impact the body. And he's given us abilities that impact the world around us. Second thought I want to share this morning is this. Comparing ourselves makes, uh, it misses the point of this parable. When we compare ourselves and say, oh, that guy, that's, that's a five-talent person. Oh, that guy's a two-talent person. I'm just a one-talent person. When, when we compare ourselves, we miss the whole point of what Jesus is trying to say. He has invested into us, and we need to be faithful. It's easy for us to look and say, man, man, if I could sing like Jamie... I don't know that I'd be hanging around North Point, right? Say, if I could, if I could do, if, boy, if, if, I could, if I could talk like Graham Filler, man, I, I, don't, I don't know what, what I'd do. It's easy for us to compare to other people. And comparing misses the point of the parable completely. God has entrusted to each of us a specific set of abilities a specific set of talents that he wants us to develop and us to cultivate. Those are things that no one else can do in quite the same way that we can. And we need to be faithful in that. The king gave to each servant based on his own capabilities. And everyone was given some talent. 
everyone was given something that they could use. Um, your abilities allow you to do things that no one else can do. Your abilities that God has entrusted to you allow you to be someone that no one else can be. Your abilities that God has given to you, invested in you, will allow you to go places that no one else can go. It's all from God. He has a purpose in that. Um, The master didn't give to each person um, more than they could develop. He gave to them just the right amount. He knew better than those individuals what they could handle, what what they could develop. He didn't give the five... Um, the five-talent servant, ten talents. He gave him five to develop those five. Um, Whether it's one talent or two talents or five talents doesn't matter. The distribution of those talents, that's God's responsibility. Our responsibility is what we do with those things. Sometimes we think, that's not fair. It's not fair that this person can do that and I can't. It's not fair that this is all I can do. It's not fair. Um, I I want you to just take a step back and think for a second about about how ironic it is that we as the creation say to the creator, oh, what you're doing is not fair. Think, Think about that for a second. We don't, as the creation, the creator is the one who establishes what's fair, right? We don't, we don't have the right to say that's not fair. God does what he knows is best. He gives to us what we need. Third thought is this. Excuses won't cut it. Yeah, it, um, it's easy for us when we look at what we have to, to begin to hem a haw around and to make excuses, and excuses won't cut it. The master expected stewardship from each of his servants. Um, when you look back through that passage of scripture, it says that the, master, that the servant who received five talents went at once. He immediately took those five talents and went out and began to develop those five talents. Contrast that with the wicked, lazy, slothful servant. It, the, the word for lazy or slothful that's there uh, in the Greek actually means hesitant. It meant he went, oh, do I do that or do I do this? Oh, I don't, I don't know if I should develop that now or not. He was hesitant. Um, uh, I probably until the day I die, I will hear my father's voice in my head saying, "The road to hell is paved with good intentions." Anybody ever heard that phrase? My dad used to quote it all the time. It was when he'd come home and I was supposed to have done something, and I'd say, "I, I was going to do it." He'd say. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Um, hesitant. We, we need to, the, the five-talent servant went at once to begin to develop um, what had been given. Don't miss this. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Uh, um, uh, let, me, let me just illustrate that with, with uh, if you've got young parents, uh, hear the, uh, if you've got young kids, if you're parents with young kids, hear this for a second. Um, we actually um, train our children to be disobedient um, because we say, Jimmy, come pick up your toys. And Jimmy stands where he is, and we say a second time, Jimmy, come pick up your toys. 
Say it a third time. Jimmy, come pick up your toys. Jimmy, one, two, three. Jimmy, am I going to have to call your mom, right? And then finally, we blow up, and Jimmy understands at that point, oh, I need to be obedient now because dad's blowing a gasket, right? We have trained our children to be disobedient through all of that instruction time. Um, if you're young parents, let me, let me just encourage you to teach your children to obey first time. Because when we learn to obey immediately, that transfers to our relationship with God with clarity. If I jump to the, to, to the adult world, if you're writing a proposal for, for a government contract and you fool around and miss the deadline, what happens? You lose the ability to get that contract. If, uh, if you're invited to make a sales presentation to a, to a business, uh, to somebody that's ready to make a decision, and you wait three or four weeks before getting back to them, what's going to happen? They're going to buy from somebody else. Delayed obedience is disobedience. It's so interesting to me that the five-talent servant went at once and started this, started, um, this, this uh, business of developing what had been given. And that the one-talent servant was hesitant, slothful, lazy. He, he waited. Well, um, what, what was it that, that put him in that position, that one-talent servant? I think that it was fear. Uh, the, the parable says, the, the man who would receive one bag of gold, one, one talent, came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and, and hid that talent in the ground. See what I have. See what you have here. It, it belongs to you. Fear causes us to be paralyzed and to not move into action. Uncertainty about what the outcome will be. Sometimes our own insecurity drives us to just not develop what God has given us. How many great ideas have you had that you, that you thought, oh, this is a way I could be involved in God's kingdom work? and that you've never followed through on. Ideas that you had the ability to make happen. It's interesting to me in Josh's story. He said, that he, he talked about remembering, man, God gave me this gift to play guitar, to lead worship, and I've set that aside. How many ideas have you had about these are things that I could use for the kingdom? You, you thought maybe someday I'm going to work with teenagers. Someday I'm going to use my artistic abilities in worship. Someday Someday I want to work in a crisis pregnancy center. Someday I want to foster a child. Someday I want to work with immigrants. Someday I want to help a child or an adult learn to read so that they can read the Bible for their, uh, uh, on their own. Someday I want to do respite care for families with special needs kids. Someday I want to somehow make a difference in human trafficking. Someday I want to launch a business and give 25% or 50% or 100% of the profit to God's kingdom. Someday I want to help people in need, maybe serve on the benevolence team. Someday I want to make a difference in the world for Jesus, in the world of politics. If God has given you the ability, you need to put it to work now, to not delay, not tomorrow, not after your kids leave home, not after you retire. The man who received Five talents of gold went at once and put his money to work. How do you know if you have the ability to accomplish what, maybe what that dream is that God has given you? I, I think it's by trying 
and getting good, honest, objective feedback from people that you trust. Hear me in this. There are some people who should not be working with children, all right? They, uh, um, they don't have the ability. They don't have the patience. May, but maybe instead of working directly with children, those same people have the ability to design games that the teachers can use. Maybe, have the, maybe they have the ability to organize the supply uh, closet that has all the supplies that those kids um, use on a weekly basis. Maybe they have the ability to write cards of encouragement to the teachers. Or maybe they have the ability to, to just send out birthday cards to the children from the church uh, so that it's coming from Jesus. Try, if you've got abilities that you think maybe God has entrusted to you, try them and then get good objective feedback from people that say, yeah, you're on the right track and develop those abilities. Um, uh, last thought in there that, that I want us to just really kind of wrap around is this. The results of us putting our um, abilities into action bring both praise and rebuke, reward and punishment. The master, the master said to each something different. To the five talent, uh, to the five talent servant and the two talent servant, the master said what? Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. There's, man, there's not any words I would rather hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. What was the rebuke that the master gave to the one talent servant? You wicked, slothful servant. That's not what we want to hear. Praise and rebuke were based on the results of what each person did with what they had been given by the master. The five-talent servant raised five more talents. He put that to work, and he gained five more talents. The two-talent person gained two talents. The five-talent servant even was given the bonus of the, of the slothful servants, one. So he ended up with 11. Um, praise and rebuke, reward and punishment. Just as he said, well done and good and faithful servant, what, what was the next phrase that he used with the five talent and the two talent? Enter into the joy of the Lord. Enter into the joy of the Lord. What incredible words to hear. What did he say after you wicked, slothful servant to the one talent servant that had buried that talent? You wicked, lazy servant, depart from me into a place where there'll be uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Did you ever play the board game Life? Uh, if you've if you got kids, uh, you need to get the game. If, if you haven't played it for a long time, it's a great game. You remember, you, you start the process, you, you, you spin the wheel, whatever, you get an occupation, um, you, you get married, you have kids, you go through the game, and you get to the end of the board, and you see that little square down at the bottom, right? Where the two arrows are there, it's the day of reckoning. All of us will one day face a day of reckoning, where we stand before the Father and give an account for our lives. Our ultimate destination will be based in, completely on our relationship with Jesus, whether we know him, whether we have allowed him to have complete control of our lives or not. Everything depends on Jesus. It's not a matter of what we've done, what we haven't done in the past, what, uh, any good works, none of that matters. It's all be, it will all be because of Jesus on the day of reckoning. But on that day of reckoning, there will be an accountability, I think, that happens where God looks at us and says, what'd you do with what I gave you? And, and, and we'll be accountable to God. 
for the abilities, the spiritual gifts, the time, the treasure, the talents that he's given us. We will be judged on our faithfulness with what God has entrusted to us. Did we take our time and treasure and talents and put them to use for the kingdom? Did we develop them or did we bury them? Did we hide them away? What abilities has God given you? Has he made you an an entrepreneur? Has he given you the ability to make money? Has he given you the ability to read legalese and to make sense of it? Has he given you the ability to cook? Has he given you the ability to make people feel at home? Has he given you the ability to write computer code, to understand technology? Has he given you musical ability, the ability to teach, the ability to learn foreign languages, the ability to comfort people who grieve, the ability to fly, the ability to drive, the ability to lead, the the ability to farm or grow things, the ability to paint, the ability to convince other people, the ability to communicate cross-culturally. What abilities has God given to you? You need to put those into play for the kingdom. How are you going to use them? What are you going to do? Don't wait for an ask. As, as preaching team, Chris and Jake and I talked about this series, and, and one of our biggest goals is um, what typically happens within the body of Christ um, is that that people wait to be asked in order to be able to, to move into some area of service within the church. Oh, if Rick asked me, yeah, then, then I'll, I'll think about that. If, if uh, Jake asked me to work in student ministry, yeah, I'll think about that. Our, our deepest desire out of this My Fit series is that you would have this sense of burden to say, I need to take the abilities that God has given me and I need to put them into action in the kingdom. I need to take the initiative. I need to not wait for the ask. How do you do that? There's a, uh, in the app notes, I put a couple of links um, to the North Point website that you can go to that um, give you opportunities here within North Point and opportunities that are here in the community. You can start there. Um, we've talked the last two weeks about, about using the app, about, about going to my North Point, going through the process, go, to, go ahead to the next one, um, go to that in the app, click on that, then go to the serve, uh, to the uh, top left corner, click on serve, go to the far right, go to my personal fit, fill those things out. I'm not going to take the time to just kind of walk you through that today um, in detail like I did last week. If you want to, watch last week's message and, and it, I go lots slower, all right? Um, see where you fit. There's all kinds of opportunities to put your abilities into play here in the kingdom, here in God's kingdom here at North Point. That'll just get you started. Um, some, some of you may be thinking right now, you know, I'm not sure I want that kind of accountability of my abilities. I, I, I want to control. I want to be in charge of what I do, when I do it, how I do it, whether I put it into practice or not. Um, I, think, I think whatever abilities I have are kind of the random luck of the draw. What do you say about that, preacher man? Um, I'd say you can think whatever you like, but thinking doesn't necessarily make it true, right? Luke records this same parable 
um, he, he describes this same parable a little bit differently. And one of the things that he includes is kind of interesting. Uh, as, as he's leading into the parable, Luke describes it this way. Jesus talking. says, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then return. He called to ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. Again, a, a measure of weight. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. This is the verse that's so interesting to me. Verse 14 of Luke 19. But his subjects hated or resented him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want him to be our king. Next verse. He was made king, however, and returned home. And then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. You can say, you know what? I don't want to be held accountable. That doesn't mean that you won't be held accountable. Um, That's not good news, but it is good news if we need the motivation to recognize that God, that that there will come a day day of reckoning for all of us. Um, Let me, uh, let me just finish with a couple of quick thoughts. Um, This parable happens on the way to Jerusalem when Jesus is getting ready to be crucified. It's, it's probably, Jesus tells this parable maybe a week, a uh, couple of weeks before he goes to the cross. Why did he tell this parable at this particular time? I think he did because the disciples needed to hear that what they had been entrusted with for the last three years, um, they needed to be great stewards of. They needed to be able to put that into practice, to use it so that the kingdom could expand. Because that was the only plan Jesus had for the kingdom to grow was for the disciples to take what Jesus had given them and to share it with others, to develop it. Um, understand that there is no middle ground for, for any of us. It is either well done or you wicked, lazy servant. Depart from me. Um, Charles Atlas, Schwarzenegger, Stallone, Dwayne Johnson, we may look at them and say, oh, that's how a body's supposed to look. That's, that's how a body's supposed to work. But Atlas is dead, and Arnold and Sly are really old. Um, And The Rock has only about a five-year shelf life left, right? It's going to go away. What about North Point? Will we be vibrant and nimble and impacting eternity in this next generation if Jesus doesn't return first? Will we be using the abilities that God has given to us? that he's entrusted to us to impact people with the grace of Jesus. Are the best days of our church behind us or in front of us? It all depends on whether or not we mobilize, we utilize, we um, develop the abilities that the Father has given to us. We talk about impacting 50,000 people in five years with the grace of Jesus. That can only happen, that can only happen if we individually take seriously this stewardship call that we have to use our abilities for God's kingdom as an extension of the grace of Jesus. Um, Deb and I went to Alaska in in June, and it was an incredible trip. We did three days on on a ship, eight days on land, and uh, then seven days on a ship. And I I just want to tell you something that that I could not get out of my mind in the land portion of our trip. We We followed the path of the Yukon Gold Rush in 1897, 
Um, and so we go up the Chilcote Pass, we uh, ride a train up there, see all kinds of incredible stuff, and they're talking about what was involved when, um, when, when gold was found and you staked a claim. What the guide said was, here, here was the deal. If you staked a claim, you could stake one claim. It was, I think, 50 feet wide and then extended, um, it extended out from the river. You had, you had uh, a certain amount of space on the river and then extended out for a long way on both sides. But the thing that the guide said that struck me was everybody only got one claim. And you had to work the claim or you lost it. If you didn't live on the land, if you didn't work the land for a year, that claim was forfeited. Here's the deal. God has entrusted to us incredible, incredible treasure in our abilities, in our time, in our treasure, in our talent. We've got to take seriously the call to develop those talents, to develop those abilities, to use our time and our treasure um, in a way that honors God and that impacts the kingdom for eternity. Let's pray. Father God, I I thank you for your word, for what you continually teach us. Um, God, I I ask for us collectively for forgiveness when we have squandered what you've given us, when we've set it aside and not used it. And God, I ask that you would rekindle in us a desire to be good stewards. God, to find ways that we can serve here at North Point, that that North Point might be a body that just impacts mid-Michigan in ways that we can't even imagine. God, that we would develop those abilities that you've given us and that your kingdom would grow, that the ripples that come out of this place into the community, into the state, even into the, the nation and around the world, Um, would go on and on and on. Help us, Lord Jesus. Amen.